Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. At some point, like I've had people argue that fundamentals are complete trash and there's no need to, to use them ever. And they can be right for themselves. You know, like that, that's yeah. not, like, if that works for you, it does work. This is a market right now. You, you can kind of do that. It's, it's not like you can. And, and because more people think that it's happening, it's happening. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Today, we have a special lesson for you. I'm putting it here on the podcast because I really believe that this is going to provide you massive, massive value. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And hey, listen, if this podcast was useful to you at all, I really highly suggest that you go check out the full trading course at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Markets are people. People are predictable. Outlier can show you how to track market fear and greed with artificial intelligence on over 1,300 of the largest market cap names. Visit outlier.com to learn more. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. They have a free pilot program for the rest of 2021. So you can get access to right now at O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Today, I have a special guest online, Elaine Adams. She is the host of the Stock Mom Aftermarket Therapy Show on the Benzinga Network. And I'm super excited to, uh, to meet you, Elaine, and, and learn more about you. Hey, Chris. Nice to meet you, too. Christopher, my bad, man. No, Chris uh, is Chris is fine. I just tell people that's what my mother named me. So I write it down that way, but you can call me Chris. We're fine. Cool. Yeah, we have this executive producer and his name is Chris. And it's just like I get used to talking to Chris on, on a show. So uh, yeah, super happy to be here. And it's really nice to share a platform and start to get to know the other people on there. So really happy to do this. Yeah, that was that was my exact thought. And I, I told my team, I'm like, go on to every show on Benzinga's network get their contact detail. Let's open a conversation and get started talking to all of them. So Elaine, tell me, tell me more about you. T tell me, you know, tell me about your journey to, you know, becoming the stock mom. Uh, yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, <clears throat> my most recent career path was actually education. Uh, so I was an occupational safety and awareness trainer and kind of work preparedness. I had put together these courses and programs with nonprofits um, to help people at risk use, um, people second chance, you know, uh, get reemployed specifically in construction. And I, I did this for a school district. I was a professor of building codes and energy efficiency. And so I, I kind of had this business and then this whole thing going. And uh, I mean, I'd always had, you know, some stocks or I don't know, maybe since I was 2021. Um, and I, I really started being a lot more active in contributing to my trading account and, and being a lot more of a participant, especially as COVID fears ramped up. Um, so I, I probably had my first profitable year of 2017, <laughs> many years of mostly losing it, um, and, and kind of just built on that skill uh, and uh, meeting more people on social media um, and kind of licensing as well, like kind of taking tests. I took my SIE and... At some point, I, I don't know, I, I think Robinhood became super popular and a, a huge amount of people decided to join the online social media sphere of stocks, right? And I, I think this totally coincided with COVID in a mm -hmm. lot of ways and Tesla too, right? Tesla's run. And, and so there's, there was a proliferation of people who, who wanted to be involved and yet like didn't really have a lot of knowledge. And so there were more communities that got formed. And we uh, ended up making this group called Stockhouse um, and hosting a morning show that was pretty successful. Um, we started making content and doing watch lists and being just 
really, really involved. There's a couple different people. And uh, I, I don't know, everything kind of just took off from there and found that we all had a passion for making this financial and um, educational related content. That's really cool. It, it really is a passion, right? And you can tell when somebody loves it because they, they just light up, right? And I'm sure you're like me. I could talk stocks all day and all night, right? I don't, I don't watch sports. I don't, I don't keep up with politics. This, this is, these are my sports and my politics. This is what I care about, right? Now, you mentioned earlier, you recently had a rant about Elon. I'm a huge Elon fan. I like the guy. I think he's, he's so interesting. I like that he is like this generation's model, uh, Henry Ford, right? With the Model T and whatnot. But I want to hear your perspective. Uh, you know, without, without going too far into it, because I think I get, I almost get pigeonholed as, as the bear in a lot of conversations. Um, and, and full disclosure, I don't hold a position in Tesla at all, right? So, so I have no skin in the game. I just have my opinion. Um, and we can also just compare the, the volatility of the options chain on this particular stock to any of its peers in the automotive and EV industry and say like, hey, this thing is historically significantly more volatile. You pay a premium for, for this growth. And is that premium best respected? You get the return that you, the, the maximum amount of return for the amount of risk that you have to take um, when you're investing. And uh, when I think about the EV space, I, I just think that there's better places where I can put my money, where I can see a valuation that makes more sense and, and see the potential short-term to midterm upside. Um, barring the, the, the black swan, the large catalyst, right? Short-term trends are always gonna be sentiment and catalyst-based, but long-term stuff is still gonna be fundamental. It's logical. Of course, this company is going to continue to make money. We've historically seen them do so. Um, and so when I think about it as an EV company, maybe I just don't see the reason why anybody, well, why I personally, with my given ability, um, appetite for risk, would wanna put my hard-earned dollars in that. Right. Um, as opposed to even like a Neo, although I, I go on and talk about Ford and GM all the time and, and what they're doing for battery manufacturing and American manufacturing. Um, uh, when I think about an innovative growth tech company, I once again would not look to Tesla and say like, hey, well, you know what, out of all the, uh, you know, you know, the 10 ETF solar uh, companies, I, I don't know if that's the one as in Tesla, the automotive, the guys who make cars, I should be investing in them because they also make solar panels. What's the profitability on this thing? What's the scalability? Have we seen, I mean, we've seen what, what's happened. They've been screwed with supply chain, like everybody is, but their core business is not this model. So when the solar supply chain falls down, it's cool. We're, we're gonna just sit there and wait and let it, let it um, you know, grow as it can. Whereas like if the car business goes out, Tesla doesn't exist. Right, so I, I'm not investing in them based upon that. Um, if we want to talk about like the collection of data on autonomous driving and and Dojo, right? Because that's what the last um, speech was about, basically. And then he comes and tells me about he's making robots now. I don't care that you're making robots, Elon. Just make some money. <laughs> make some money off of one of these ideas. What happened to the boring company? Anybody want to talk about that and and how much money they're making there and how many cities they've changed with their ability to dig holes that has always been around? No. So I, I, I mean, when I really think about Tesla, it is impossible to separate the company from the man that is Elon Musk, uh, an innovator, genius, somebody who inspires industries. And that there's a part of that that I can't take from him, and I certainly would never try it, right? He, he, he's done what he has done, and he's said what he's said. Um, but when we look at like the rollout and what's actually happening with a lot of these ideas, besides what happened with the automotive, which is just innovative and, and great and different, I, I see a lot of the same. And I, I just, hey, it's not a company or a person that I'm very bearish on Elon. He's just, a, he's a walking risk factor. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you think about when he was on uh, Joe Rogan, right? Smoking, smoking blunts. And, uh, you know, the, the investors didn't like that, right? The board, I believe, had a lot of very strong words to say, like, you represent a lot of people and a lot of people's monies. So uh, quit doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying for sure. I mean, hey, Christopher, let's play the game. Where do you see Tesla in 10 years? I see Tesla as a dominant force 
in the automotive industry. And I say that because where I live in the Texas uh, Dallas Metroplex, they're everywhere. And I think it's only a matter of time before the electrical infrastructure is there to support the fast charging necessity. Um, I mean, like, like for example, my, my family has a house in Arkansas. When we, when we go there, it's about 250 miles away and I have not bought a Tesla, but I have on many occasions sat down and looked at the specs on the Teslas thinking, can I get to our family house in Arkansas? I don't know if I can, it's just the, the range anxiety holds me back. But I, I think that once that issue is solved, uh, because of the innovations within like the Tesla product, I think they're going to do great, right? Like, like how many cars can you get into? And it has just like a big iPad and you can, you know, you can play your games on there. You can watch Netflix on there and not, not for like the, just the trivial stuff like that, but the, the fact that they actually brought a electric vehicle into the mainstream to a point where people want the electric vehicle versus, you know, the, the electric vehicle experiments previously where people just thought of them as like a sideshow. So I think, I think there's great, great future for, for, uh, for Tesla, but I don't know. What, what do you think? I, I'm kind of interested to hear if you have a different take. Part of that, would you consider singular to only Tesla? Because fast charging is not something that they own. Um, certainly every single new car looks like a Tesla at this point. And, and this is from Ford to XPEV, right? They, they literally all have this large center screen. So that, that's not necessarily special. Um, what, why can't everybody else do those exact same innovative things, which they are, they are doing them. Oh, I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying they're first, right? There's, there's always the first mover advantage. Is there a historic first to market advantage in the automotive scene? Uh, I mean, you could just look at like Ford's Model T, right? And then how that took off. Yeah, but Ford wasn't the first person to like make cars. Well, that's not true. But I, I know that there are a number of automakers that were first on some level of innovation that meant nothing. Because guess what? Toyota does it better. They will do it. Oh my gosh, yes. My wife has a Lexus and that thing is bulletproof. <laughs> I mean, that's how I describe it. I mean, I, I like used to talk a lot of smack about Priuses and then I like drove one. I was like, wait, this thing is wait, this thing is going to go 250,000 miles. Yeah. I, that's like, that's it. It's these things are, are dirt cheap. Like, yeah, you can throw together a fleet of them. Um, and, and I, I don't know. I just don't know what part of Tesla's innovation is so special or so singular. And, and yeah, you, you're right. Like they, they, I, I totally actually agree with, with them being in the future. Um, but it's like, why is a battery swap? I mean, there, there's an argument for why battery swap makes more sense than fast charging. There's an argument for why what QuantumScape is going to do with their solid state battery is going to blow every single auto manual. If, if you don't switch to that, that's it. And Tesla has, you know, been one who's not worked with QuantumScape, right? I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily the direction that they're going with this. Um, and then there's the other, 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 other side of like whatever company decide gets the real infrastructure pay and hookup is probably going to be the one with the real first to market advantage because um, battery range anxiety is huge. I, I yeah. too feel the exact same way. I like to just have, hey, can I put some gas in this thing just in case? Apocalypse, whatever it is, can I? I just want to go. Um, and it's like if there was a robust charging system that could support. 50% of the population having electric cars, that'd be great. But our gasoline system, like, you know, just our automotive energy um, infrastructure is A, old and in need of revitalization, but B, um, right, like where we see like leaks happening at all these gas stations and refinery work, it's some of the most dangerous work you can do. Um, but uh <clears throat> what it would take to truly create an energy infrastructure, it seems like it's completely out of the scale of reality. Like anytime soon, where's the money for this coming from? What particular company, who's paying for it? Who is paying for this robust, I mean, California right now, rolling blackouts, that's still a thing. Yeah. I mean, on, in, on every side of the country, there are very pressing issues. I think we have a lot of states that 
I mean, do they have money for sure? But is it extra budget money just for whatever? You know, like, hey, let's do this new project. Like, I, I don't, I don't know that that's the first priority of places. When I mean, we're we're in Texas, and North Dallas still has right now pediatric ICU units with no beds. Hmm. Right. We still have. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm I, I, from Los Angeles. I just moved. Um, I mean, huge homeless problem. Huge. Uh, so, and it's not to be political, but it's just to say there is a lot of stress in the system one way or the other. Money's been cheap for a little while, but is it, will it continue to be? And, and what does that mean for growth and in infrastructure projects? Right. So let's, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's tell me more about you and your investing style. You mentioned on Tesla's options chain, the, uh, I forget what you call it, the, the risk premium associated with it. Um, and, and you're totally right, right? You look at Tesla versus a GM options chain or a Ford options chain, you got a different story right there. Um, but companies aside, tell me about, tell me about you and, and your style and, and, and what goes through your mind and, and some of your thoughts like that. Um, so I am I'm, I'm pretty adaptive trader, I guess, an investor. Um, I, I used to day trade significantly at, at one point in my career and kind of moved Towards, I mean, I still day trade when when I see an opportunity or when I'm you know sitting down and making sure stuff's happening, but the the majority of my accounts in long term positions and holds, um, and I add or change to those based on um, you know changes in fundamental things in the market. Um, I hold the S and P five hundred, you know I. I um, balance that out with VIX holdings uh, and kind of take money in both directions, uh, shoot for moderate returns every year on a consistent basis. You know, like my goal is to be over 20% a year for the next 20 years. I, I, I just want to do that. Um, and so really just trying to protect the, the, um, the principle, you know, mm -hmm. um, in the game as long as I can and, and continue to be a student of the market. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm primarily, um, I mean, there is no primary thing too. I trade a lot of energy. Uh, I, I, I love going in, going in on oil, liquid natural gas seems like it might be ready to catch a bid. I'm big in materials and miners. Um, I think that metals are the new growth in a lot of ways because the infrastructure that we need to develop and, and continue to increase our GDP, I think is based on, you know, metals. Um, and, and if we're going to see that charging system, what's it going to be made out of, you know, if we're going to start getting more energy to more places, what are these batteries going to be made out of? Uh, so, um, I kind of really deep into that sector and kind of what's going on and legality of all these mines and how dangerous they are and the permits that they need to get from their locations. Uh, I huge fan of, um, emerging markets technology and, uh, kind of buying the heck out of the dip on it's like, Hey, America bounced back from COVID. Uh, this is a bounce backable thing. These companies aren't going out of business. A good idea pre COVID was a good, is still a good idea after COVID if we can rationalize it and it's not Peloton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, holding on to um, tech in the emerging markets. I, I talked about it on my show a few days ago took a pretty big position in Alibaba at the, at the bottom of this dip. And maybe she dips more. Um, but in 10 years, in, unless the Chinese Communist Party just decides to ransack and take out all trust that every other country has in investing in their companies, I think they're going to let the biggest e-commerce uh, company, uh, you know, not be completely nationalized. So, uh, you know, uh, I got some risky stuff going on. And I, and I also bet big on the American economy. So maybe not so risky, right? You know, this is so interesting because your style of, of trading and investing is like the opposite of mine. So, well, I, I should say I do have like a, a long-term portfolio that I literally never look at, you know, just contribute every couple of weeks. Um, but then my like main trading account, which is where I have the most fun, um, I'm, I'm, you know, watching moving averages. I'm looking for crossovers. I'm looking for price strength and things like that. And I, 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 I will buy a stock literally never having heard of it before. <laughs> Like a few weeks ago, I bought a bank stock and uh, I was like, this is the first time I've ever heard of it. Let me buy some. <laughs> but, you know, the, I looked at the chart. The chart was strong and I was all in for it. Uh, well, not all in, but, uh, you know, of course, handling the risk appropriately. But the 
the concept of the fundamental, the deep, the long-term thinking that you're having is so interesting. And uh, it it almost reminded me of like a Warren Buffett-esque approach. Um, Would you feel that that would be like the... uh, the way the way you would invest right the set it and forget it type mentality no nah, man we prayed to monger but hell no i uh, wake up every single day and smash into bloomberg immediately there there is no forgetting i check my account consistently gotcha it's just i think you know what i didn't get into this game by making a, a, a billion percent on a random stock trade that i didn't know that i just got lucky and this is what i need to keep repeating um i i got into investing because i I'd grown, you know, my, my own account from having businesses and from working a lot. Um, and so, although, Hey, I, I, I love it when, when I, you know, I, I was holding Kodak, right? Like I, I, I'm not against, I made money on AMC. I'm not entirely yeah. speculative stuff. I mean, I started trading penny stocks like everybody else, but quickly ended. Um, and, and I used to be a full-time day trader. I, but I, I'm at this place right now where it's like, hey, I can travel. <laughs> I can be wherever I want to be. I don't really have to go to work. Uh, and I, I'm not risking any money. I mean, I, I am I, for sure. I'll, I'll risk some part of it, but I just want to keep doing this and, and continue to grow. Um, so from the stock market, I look for growth. I'm not looking to increase my total net worth. Whereas like in my outside investments, I'm a little bit more aggressive right now. And um, hey, it's crazy. I mean, there's so many ways to make money outside of the market. Um, I I think we get kind of caught. I actually don't. I I know everybody, look, you hold on to these companies. Look, if I'm holding on to FedEx and thinking about how they're profiting off of the boom in e-commerce, I'm also looking into purchasing exclusive rights to a FedEx route for the next three years because I understand, you know, I'm invested. I get why these things are working or I want to understand. And when I do see an opportunity, I'm, 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 I'm happy uh, to, to, to put that money to work. Very cool. So, you know, Elaine, what, what are the kind of things that you cover on your, your Benzinga show, right? We want to make sure that we get everyone to, to go and check that out. And I, I've, I've seen a few of your episodes and, and, you know, they're, they're somewhat like this, right. Or, or you're having a conversation with somebody, you're not really pulling up the charts and going through, you know, this moving average and whatnot. Tell me more about your show. So uh, it, it goes both ways, actually. Um, it start. I mean, so it's called aftermarket therapy. At one point um, I had a friend, she was doing like stock tutoring and she would say that a lot of times during these tutoring sessions, which were supposed to be about technicals, right? <laughs> and people would really just want to have therapy and talk about their trades. And I mean, when I think about what, you know, the stock room talk is after the market close or even during the market, it's, I just want to tell you how much money I'm making or how much money I'm losing. Like, I, I really want to tell somebody. I can't just tell everybody because I, I think that it puts it out of perspective when you start talking about making or losing more money than most people might make in, in a given time yeah. period, right? Um, but you do want to share that and you want people to relate to it. I mean, I have lost eye-watering amounts of money on Tesla options. Battery day, terrible, terrible. Um, and, and so creating a safe space do have those conversations with something that I've been doing for some time now. Um, we started doing it on, on social media. We did it on Clubhouse. We did it on Twitter. And all of a sudden, we, we, we found ourselves on Benzinga. And it was like, what type of show do you want to do? Let's do an aftermarket therapy and just kind of invite my friends on who trade. And, and, and we talk about the market. But to your point, no, man, I'll talk technicals. I have zero issue. I mean, every single day. So we used to do a morning show um, and, and still might do it again. It's just, you know, kind of what content do you have the most time for? But morning first thing is futures. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're not doing technicals on that, on ES and, you know, you're not doing it on NQ and you're not doing it on RYT and you're not doing it on GC or you're not doing it on HD, then what are you doing first thing in the morning? Because that's all I want to know. What mm-hmm. where, Hell are the futures immediately lasting as I go to sleep and first thing in the morning. Um, so we, I'm not afraid of a, a good technical talk either. Well, let, let me, let me, let me have some therapy with you then. So I, uh, I'm, I'm very adamant about keeping a, uh, a, a very 
strong trade journal, right? Knowing when I get in, when I get out, why I got in, why I got out. And this year I've been testing several new strategies and found some that have worked really well. Um, but in that process, going through it, I I was looking at my trades and I I had, I don't know how many trades it was, but it was a few. And they were sloppy trades, and sloppy entries, sloppy exits. And I'm like, looking at it objectively, like I forced this trade on, was not when it should have been. And cumulatively, all of these trades cost me $10,000 this year. And I'm like, you are so stupid sometimes, Chris. Like, if you just avoided these trades, you would have $10,000 more in your account. And they were all forced trades. They were, I could, I could point on every single one of them and say, I would not have entered this trade. It wasn't even the exit side. It was all entry side. I wouldn't have even entered this trade because of X, Y, and Z now that I've learned it. So I, I take it and, and I, I tell people about this all the time on my, uh, my podcast. I call it my Wall Street tuition. And this year I paid at least $10,000 in it, um, which I was not happy about. But at the same time, I, I ended up finding a strategy that works really, really well for me. And uh, we'll continue to exploit that for as long as I can. Um, but in the process, you know, I had to take some lumps. So, so that, that, that was uh, what, I, what was on my mind this week, why I needed a little therapy. No, that's awesome, man. Um, I think it's really relatable to have lost in the attempt to, to better yourself. So I guess my question would be, um, if, if, if you don't mind giving out some sauce, uh, what, what was the take? What did you learn from, from those bad entries and, and what are you going to do to improve on, on that? A lot of it had to do with buying stocks that were extended. And uh, one of my friends, he's been on the podcast a few times, and, and he actually has a daily show that he puts on on, on uh, YouTube. His name is Greg Gossett. Um, he put out a course on Udemy, and he asked me to review the course ahead of time, give him some feedback. And I took some notes from it, and um, I implemented some things and not others. And uh, I, I went back and reviewed those notes as I'm reviewing these trades, getting an idea of like, where I was buying these stocks to extended. And he has this, he, it's a, it's an indicator. I'm not a huge indicator guy. I like moving averages better, but it, it's based on a moving average. And he's like, listen, when the, when the stock price is over this, this line, it's the uh, Keltner channel, the second Keltner channel. So it's two average true ranges above the 20 exponential moving average. Um, you know, when I say stuff like that, it, it gets so technical so fast that like most people are just like, what did you just say? But anyway, um, we're good with Keltner's. Yeah. So it's the second Keltner. He's like, when it gets above that, just don't buy, right? That, that means the stock is a little too extended. Give it a chance to pull back in before you buy. And so I went back, you know, like I said, taking those notes, looking at my stuff. And I'm like, holy cow, 90% of these that I bought were over that point. I could have avoided 90% of these entries just on that one thing. And I was like, that's a breakthrough right there. You know, sometimes you got to do that, right? A different, like I said, just trying different styles this year, trying to be a little bit more aggressive. And uh, I, I, I knew I would have to basically, uh, I, I'm a big believer of learning from practical experience versus theory, right? Because in theory, you can sell options all day long and you'll always make money. I have proved that not to be true. <laughs> I have blown up my account uh, twice, just because I, I was under the impression of you could sell options no matter what, and you'd be fine. That's just not true. So this year I, I am uh, taking a very different approach where I'm buying deep in the money options and working on that strategy and really honing it in. And, it, and when it works, it works amazingly well. The, the returns compound so fast. Um, but then again, if you don't time it right, it can work against you so fast because you know it's a lot of leverage. So yeah, that, are, uh, that's are- it. A game definitely for for people who don't mind um, putting a lot at risk. I definitely so, you know, I and I, I think this is why it's so important to trade in a community um, of people so you can have those outside in like, hey, you know, this is an indicator that I use. Maybe you might find some value there um, because I, I I don't know. We always say trading isn't a science; it's an art form. There's many ways to, to paint this canvas. As long as you end up profitable, hey, that's cool. Yeah. You know, people who trade based off the moon cycle. 
I don't care what it is that you do, to be honest, if you're continuing to, to bring in those returns. And then if it does it, like, uh, you know, um, something I always say is like, friends don't let friends buy at all time high. Like, I just don't care what the stock is. It doesn't matter how great of an opportunity it is. It's definitely going to grow. I mean, we, we uh, have to trade the chart and not our emotions. And like you said, the chart will always give you a better opportunity to buy. There's mm-hmm. no on, on, on earth that's never gone back down after going up, you know, like there right. was just red candle at some point, um, you know, preferably a red weekly candle. Give me some, give me a discount. Uh, I, I love the people who are like, um, and this is totally where I kind of get a lot of my style from. It's like, I need a deal. Not, not here to buy it at that premium. That's crazy. I'm not paying premium prices for Tesla. No way. I am going to buy Ford at $9 <laughs> and I'm going to sleep at night. It's going to be fantastic. No regrets. Um, you know, or even for my speculative things, it's like, uh, Hey, I knew what I was doing when I bought Jumia or I knew what I was doing when I bought Palantir. I, you know, like I, I knew the risk, but, um, I'm just not looking for those knocks out of the park, uh, that I think we've come to see at high levels, at unusually high levels in recent history, where you see these things that do go on 300% runs or something crazy like that. And it's not a penny stock, right? Yeah. Like what happened to AMD, what happened with Tesla? I mean, th- there's a lot out there that has just gone to the moon. I mean, look at Nucor, right? Like metals went to the, went to the moon. The lumber chart went to the moon. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, Berkshire Hathaway saying that they made the majority of their profits off of, uh, 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 trains, trains, right, freight, like that's indicative of something. Um, but it's not historically the way it, it's been, right? You don't expect those sorts of returns from industrials or from materials. You expect that from tech growth there, you know, right? but yeah, places are catching these bids and it, it sets us up for, uh, these amazing expectations. And it can be so dangerous when you're like, hey, I, I expect this thing to continue. Um, so I'm glad you're changing your approach for sure. I, so the average, something I like to know about people and we kind of ask is like, well, what is your trading style? So you're saying you're primarily just a, a day trader for the most part. What, what would you say your average length of trade is? Oh, no, no, no. I definitely don't day trade. If I day trade, then something's gone wrong. Um, I, I like to, so I like to trade about, an hour after the market opens, and then during the last hour of the day, just look for new opportunities at those two times of the day. Um, and then I, I'll swing trade it, right? If it if it works, I'll let it run for as long as it works, right? I at, at, at the end of the day, I'm a trend trader, right? When it goes above a moving average line, I'm going to let it run as far as it can above that average line. But once it crosses down below, I'll get out. Um, so, you know, it, it really depends. I, I don't have anything set in stone whatsoever. Uh, but if a if a stock turns around and is working against me, I'll I'll cut my losses fast. I'll be the first person to to get out, right? But um, what, what do they say? It's uh, strong opinions loosely held, right? So I'll I'll have a strong opinion that something's working for me, but I'll be the first one to I, I will be the weakest hands <laughs> once it turns around. I have no problem with that. My hands are are the opposite of diamonds. They're like uh, snowflakes, I guess you could say. Hey, uh, whatever keeps your keeps that money in your account and not going the other way. Uh, right. There are there are too many people who um, claim to be profitable for the percentages to make any sense of most traders lose money. Like the overwhelming majority of retail traders lose money, and there is way too many gurus already. So it's like if if you really do have something that works for you, it's so important to refine. And just keep going into that, whatever it is. Um, I found a lot of success. I'm so I don't know. It's like we're it seems like we're pretty close in age, but I feel so old school compared to everybody. I don't mind the Momo trade. You know, we love the momentum too for sure, um, and it's easy to ride. But I, so my favorite type of plays and the thing that I look for is a combination of things. But I want something that is fundamentally undervalued for one reason or another whether I believe that growth will exceed expectations or that for some reason sentiment has gone against this company, but doesn't, has nothing to do with their actual profitability. Um, whatever it is, I, I need some level of undervalue. And then I'll look for the technical. Um, 
you know, uh, that technical entry that makes sense. And, and, and personally, I'm like loving the chase things to an all time high. Um, and then probably scale mostly up by that point in time. Mm. Um, just as I, if I'm doing kind of, you know, a swing trade, something short, that's just the flavor. And like, I, I mean, I, I don't have my papers with me, but like, I literally write down all my trades, <laughs> write down entries, exits. Oh, just, Hey, uh, on that topic, do yeah. you use actual like pen and paper? Yeah, I use pen and paper and I and I literally write my entire trade. Look out. what I just made. You were the first person I've told you about. I made a trading journal. You can get on Amazon. It's like 12 bucks. It literally is just lines. <laughs> lines and then there's some spots that are like open date, close date, things like that. Check it out. They're beautiful. Hey, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad we got to work that in. Yeah, absolutely. I think a paper trading journal any level of trading journal, right? Whether you're doing one on your phone, whatever it is, just like, uh, because if you don't have a plan, then how are you going to know how well your ability to plan works? And like at the end of the day, whether you're trading off of resistances, trend, uh, you know, social media, there, there has to be something to refine on or else you're just repeating the same haptic jazz band sounding BS experiment every time. Like, yeah, I get in there. I kind of move my hands around. I pray to God and I do a market order. I get the hell out of there ASAP. Uh, and, and it's like, you know, you, you have so much more confidence. Like you said, hey, I, I trade on a break of a moving average. I, I hold on that when I see it fall below. It doesn't matter if it's 1% or 20%, I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and for me, I'm like, look, if I hit my target, I'm out. Um, the worst thing I th- that I think can happen to people is that you make too much money. And it sounds stupid until you get hit with too much money taxing. Like, what are you going to do with it? Where are you going to put it? You're going to, you're going to give most of this away to feed and everything else. So if you can, if you can plan out your singular trades, that means you can plan out your trade for the month. That means you can plan out your trades for the year. I know how many trades I want to make this year, Christopher, you know, like, and, and, and I know how much money I want to make off of those trades. And if I can do it in less, I'll stop sooner. I didn't mean the clap, but yeah. Like, no, no, know, that's like interesting. That. No, no, no. I, it makes math sense, right? If you hit that target after X number of trades. Yeah, I get it. I, I pull the plug and, and, and uh, we keep on, we, we live to fight another day. You know, I, I travel to another country and <laughs> set up shop Very again. Cool. So, you know, do you, I have a family member who he's one of those people that only talks about his winners. Like he's never lost on a stock trade ever. Chris, you're so stupid. I can't believe you take losses. And uh, just this last week, he was like, Hey, should I sell, should I sell the stock? I think the the run has been really good. Do you think it's over yet? And I was like, I didn't text him this, but I wanted to big time. I'm like, you've literally never listened to me ever in the past ever. Why are you asking me now? You're not going to listen to me anyway. So yeah, I don't know what he did. And I really don't care because I know that that one trade that he's won on might make up for the losses that he's made this year. But it won't. It won't. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have family members that reach out to you and try and give you or, or ask you about investing advice? Yeah, but I, I pretty much just like, it's it's not just family members, it's people, right? If you tell somebody you do something about stocks and finance, equities, bonds, whatever it is, uh, they, they will inevitably ask you, hey, what stock should I invest in? And, you know, my mentor is like a, like a financial planner. And so it's like, I, I really know how to do suitability. And suitability, there's a reason why you, you go to a bank and, and somebody is trained because they're going to ask you questions. They're going to figure out the appropriate investment vehicle for you. And it's not the same for everybody. Okay, you want high returns, cool. How much are you willing to risk? How much are you willing to lose? If you lose it, are you going to be able to walk away and be okay and pay your rent for the next year? If not, this is not a suitable investment vehicle for you. Maybe my grandma shouldn't be holding Dogecoin. You know <laughs> But she is, right? So people will still do Is things. she really? My grandma is absolutely holding Dogecoin. That's hilarious. She's, she's, she's loaded up, man. She backed up the truck because Bitcoin, because, you know, Dogecoin 
Chris, not not you, but somebody else right on Twitter sent, sent it in, you know, some Dogecoin Jeff said, bye, bye Doge, and it's going to the moon, and my grandma didn't even sell it 67 cents or whatever it was at the all-time yeah. high. So, uh, but right, knowing that that's the case, it's just hard for me to, like, give people advice knowing that it might it might hurt them. So I, I yeah. sort of avoid doing that. Uh, I mean, we, I'll talk shop for sure, but I avoid trying to trying to give people advice because, like you said, it's it just sucks to hear people lose money. And if you've been in this game long enough, you know people are losing money. They yeah, for sure. Because they hey, want. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I think family's the worst, right? Because they they want to hold you accountable, but they they won't be nice about it, <laughs> right? They're gonna they're gonna rip you a new one and say this is all your fault, whatever. And you may have told them one thing, and they they might have done something completely different. And they're never going to listen to hear, you know, that's not what I said. Right. My, uh, my aunt, not all that long ago, actually, she was like, Chris, I want you to start trading my account. And I was like, nah, no way. Because if we ever lose money, you're going to come after me with the full force of hurricane, you know, hurricane Rita or whatever. And, um, I don't want that. I think you need to do your own thing. You need to set your own risk expectations. And like you were saying earlier on the bank example, right? Someone walks into a bank and they said, oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with the 20% risk. And then they lose $20,000 on a $100,000 account. And they come in and say, how could you let this happen? It's like, well, you were comfortable with this risk. But now that it's happened, you know, that, that I don't want to be in that situation. No, thank you. Yeah, I always tell people if somebody's going to help you manage your money, you're going to sign a Harry Potter sized stack of, you know, legal papers <laughs> that authorize you and them to do all the things. Like, and if you haven't done that, it's a scam. That's it. That's the only way it happens that somebody will, you know, trade or invest or whatever your money, you're, you're going to sign off some rights. Now, with that said, do I help my mom with her trade, like with her account? Like, absolutely, I do, you know? And, <laughs> And we're, we're going with a real, uh, you know, selling covered calls, like a real risk deferred type of strategy, right? She holds a lot of S&P too. Like, you know, we're, we're kind of playing it real, real close to the hand. Um, but that's it. That, that's it. And for the most part, I love actually kind of having conversations because I think that helps, you know, hey, look, this is what it's like to be in the market today. Uh, and this is where I've come from. And this is where hopefully our community, we can talk about the, the places that we've been and where we all intend to go, but getting the background in, in what this game really means. I, I'm nothing without the mentors and experienced Wall Street people and banker friends that I have, and even long-term day trader people, the quant people, without them, I wouldn't know anything. You know, I learned from community and I learned from reading books uh, but I definitely didn't learn from free YouTube videos and gurus and, oh, and losing my own money, losing heaps of my own money. Sorry. Number one. But, I think that uh, the, the guru thing is such a big deal. Cause that's, it's so prevalent right now. And even there, there, there were people that I, I would have considered gurus that I learned from that, um, were part of my initial trading st style where I lost a lot of money, uh, that now looking back, like, I don't know if they actually make money, like literally mathematically, I don't think they do. And I, I, I ran some Monte Carlo simulations the other day and I put in some of their stats and I'm like, this doesn't make money. It never will make money. The average return on this is negative. The best return on this is barely positive. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not sure that these people are as honest as they, they want to come off. And I, I won't name them because I'm friends actually with several of them. But I think that they do a disservice to a lot of people because the idea of having a high win rate and uh, selling naked options and the idea of, you know, you can, what is it? I, I saw one of their things one time. It was like the average winning trade on this was $32 and you take $4,500 in risk, but you have a 87% win rate. And I'm like, this math doesn't work. Like, I know this doesn't. There's no possible way. Yeah. So I learned a lot and, and a lot of it had to do with uh, being practical. Right. And that's, like I said earlier, I like to test things on myself. I like to actually see it happen. I like to, I like to experience it, but in the meantime, it, it can cost money. Right. And, and it can, can be your tuition or, or it can be uh, a, a huge 
ruinous thing to your life if you don't control your risk. But yeah. And then, you know, there's also the other end of the spectrum where it's the 19 year old on YouTube ads. Who's like 14 courses, 97 hours of content. Click here. You can get it for 99,000% off today. You know, those guys, I'm like, Oh my gosh, have you even traded before? Right. (laughs) So yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of the, uh, the fake guru stuff out there that it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to see. It's hard to watch. It's hard to, to know that there are people who, who fall for it and fall into it. But then when you have a, a show like you and I, you can't hide, right? Doing, doing this three days a week. Like I do, I can't hide. I'm as open as it comes. I can't keep a lie up. There's no way. Yeah. I, I mean, you, we have to stand on our traits, you know, like I posted on social media, I posted entries, my exits, like, like you said, it's, you, you have to live and die on your word out here and it's good. I think it holds us accountable. And honestly, it keeps, I mean, it, it keeps me like from that responsibility. I, I remember the first time I ever went to a, like a live room of a couple thousand people and started screaming about TSM earnings going to the moon. And I got like at least a hundred people who like, were like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like I made 300% on this trade. And it's like, yo, wait a second. Like I was just excited in like, you know, the gravy train was on. So you, you, you make the sounds that you make when your money goes up like that for sure. <clears throat> However, you weren't supposed to buy that. Like, I wasn't saying that. So you in a split second with no thought to the chart, nothing. I mean, you got more percentage out of this thing than I did, which means that like you held long, you know, like you came in after me and held longer and like all, all, you know, that's great. If you're profitable, that's great. But that responsibility on me, how I feel, I know that you would have lost money had I been wrong. Mm-hmm. Wrong money. It's, you know, I'm, I'm to, your, to, to your point the other way. Like, I, I feel like if you don't talk about your losers, that's where, the, that's where you learn. I learned because I entered in too many things that they're all time damn high. And I can't do that. I, will, I refuse to do that. I will never do that. It's just it, right? Like, never catch a falling knife. Even if you're excited to buy the dip, you just learn. You wait till it shows support. Wait for a confirmation. Wait for the confirmation. Wait. Wait for some sort of technical breakout, right? We don't just buy in the middle of the chart as much as you want to. You have to have some reason to enter and, and reasons the reasons why you don't have to be outweighed because there's always a reason to not take a trade. Um, so I, um, I don't know, man. I, I'm a huge... The other thing that I think is interesting is that the rooms where people are technical, where you do go in and you're like, okay, hey, this person's a banker. This person's been in gold. Work, worked at Goldman Sachs in the 90s when I was you know, a kid. I think they know what they're talking about. And you realize that most people can't keep up, right? Like the language of finance and economics is a language that people struggle. If I, I'll say it, and they, this will maybe drop your viewership immediately as soon as I say like tapering. You know, like nobody wants to talk about tapering in the in the influencer fun community it's not a sexy word (laughs) but like that's i think where a lot of the finance econ people are sitting because we want to know um but but the fact that there's this disconnect um between like um fundamental tech trading and the average new investor i think we're seeing like this huge shift in the market as well um where at some point, like I've had people argue that fundamentals are complete trash and there's no need to, to use them ever. And they can be right for themselves. You know, like that, that's yeah. not, like, if that works for you, it does work. This is a market right now. You, you can kind of do that. It's, it's not like you can. And, and because more people think that it's happening, it's happening. Right. And you know, I, all the traders that I've had on, basically at the end of the day, we all want to be a part of a trend, right? One way or another, you want to get from the point where the stock's going from lower to higher if you're buying it or higher to lower if you're selling it. And there's no possible way to make money in this game if you let your losers be bigger than your winners. You can even have a 20% win rate, but if your win rate is uh, is 20%, you better have some, some big winners to back that up. Otherwise, it's just never going to work out with the math. So Elaine, this has been, this has been fun. This has been some good therapy. I, uh, I appreciate the ability to, to have a chat with you, get, get some stuff off my mind. And, and I can see why people like to do that. 
Yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be able to join the show and, and participate in your therapeutic experience. <laughs> well, Elaine, I really do appreciate your time. I want to make sure everyone goes and checks out Elaine's show on Benzinga aftermarket therapy with stock mom. And, um, you know, again, thank you so much for, for your time today and being flexible. I had to, I had to change the, uh, the timing on you last minute. So I, I apologize about that, but thank you for being flexible. Yeah, man. It's all good. I'm kind of traveling and watching Lake Tahoe and the fires going on out there and hoping that, uh, my, my place stays safe. So always, always down to take some time out of the day and have a conversation about the market. Well, perfect. Me too. <laughs> That's why I've got 500 something episodes so far. So yeah, I, I, I get it. Well, Lane, thank you so much for your time. And thank you guys for tuning into today's how to trade stocks options podcast. Make sure you like subscribe and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. I'll see you in the next episode. Okay. So what'd you think? That was pretty incredible, right? Now, if you like that, that's only a taste, only a sample of what you're going to find in the full AI stock trading system. And I really highly encourage you to go and check this out. Obviously you are interested in learning and how to trade. And that's why you're listening to this podcast. Now I'm going to take and download my entire trading system that I use day in and day out onto you. <laughs> and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is over at the AIStockTradingSystem.com. You're going to get phase one, two, and three, several bonuses. And on top of that, I'm going to walk you through over a dozen trades that I put on inside of my account, holding your hand and showing you exactly how I got in, how I got out, how I use the artificial intelligence data, and how this could work inside of your own trading portfolio on a daily basis. So make sure you head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com to learn more and to get started and to download my decade plus worth of trading experience into your hands so you can start using the AI Stock Trading System today, the five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading. Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit TimMinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.